0: Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. But uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to 1 Samuel chapter 7. I am not teaching. Well, I might teach a little bit, probably not very much, but... I'm going to go with all natural preaching tonight, if that's okay. Is that okay? Um, 1 Samuel chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 12. I want to let you guys know this. uh, If it's it's your first time to be with us on Wednesday nights, normally what we've done over the last couple of years, or actually about a year and a half, we have done what we call Bible school. How many of y'all have learned anything from Bible school? All right. Just like, but this is what we're gonna do through the summertime. Just like every school, we're gonna take a break, and uh, through the summer, uh, we're gonna have obviously church tonight. We're gonna have church next week, and then the first Wednesday of June, we're gonna have a full blown service. We're gonna call that a first Wednesday service, and uh, it's gonna be like having church. We're gonna have like a church service, and um, have full band, full everything. And then, then our next time together will be July's first Wednesday and then August's first Wednesday. Does everybody understand that? And then when we get back into uh, September, we'll, we'll, we'll kick some things back up again. Because I'm, I know Pastor Robert can vouch for we put our heart and soul in Bible school. And even we need a break sometimes. Right? Amen. And also, too, I think it would be good for all of our children. Let's give them a hand even though they can't hear us. Everybody that's working with the kids back there. And uh, they they uh, they need a break, and so I think it'd be good for all of us. First Samuel chapter seven and verse twelve. Are you ready? Say yes. The Bible says, "Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin, and he named it Ebenezer." This is not the guy. All right, this is not the Scrooge, right? Even though I have I have wore that name proud from time to time. It says, he named it Ebenezer, stone of help, saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. Does anybody can vouch tonight and say hallelujah or praise the Lord that thus far God has been with you and he's helped you? How many of y'all know you wouldn't be where you are today if it wasn't for the Lord? Come on. We came to have church on a Wednesday night, if that's okay. And then in verse 13, it says, so the Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into Israelite territory. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. You know what I believe? I believe that uh, we can slay some giants. I believe there were some walls that crumbled this last Sunday. And giants that have crumbled over time in our walk with Christ. And that they don't have to come back. That we've dealt with them for the rest of our life. Come on, somebody. I mean, I believe we serve a God of impossibility. That even though Dr. Phil tells you that they may come back, I'm telling you, I'm standing on the God of... Uh, come on, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he can deal with those things. Then in verse 14, it says, The cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered the city's territory from the Philistines. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. So... uh." This is so good. First of all, I see in verse 12, he says, the Lord has been, the Lord has helped us so far. Then I see that all the days of Samuel's life, for the rest of his life, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. And now in this text here, I see that they had lost some cities, and God had restored them back to them. How many of y'all remember the old song, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back All right, this is Wednesday Night Church. This is good stuff right here. You're all recruited Sunday morning, all right? Took back what he stole from me. I took back what he stole from me. Oh, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. All right, come on. We're already having church. How many of y'all know he's under your feet? You need to be reminded of that tonight, that he doesn't control you. You need to control the situation. And so, in, 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 um, you know, I just got to thinking about this. You know, we're five months in, and if there's some things, maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in your relationships, that there are some things that the enemy has tried to take away from you. I'm saying, you know what, tonight I'm going to make a stand. He's not going to take any more, and I, those things that he's taken, I'm going to take back in Jesus' name. Come on, how many of y'all know we're a faith church? We walk by faith and not by sight, and we're claiming it tonight. <clears throat> and so I love that. Yeah, I, This is my year. I'm going to say that in 2022, even though gas prices are six bucks a gallon. This is my year, and I'm getting some things back. What's very important that you understand about the text here is that the Philistines, if you've ever read 1 and 2 Samuel, in fact, this is a word that stirred in me at the first of the year when I read through 1 and 2 Samuel, because I love to read, read about David. <clears throat> but the Philistines are the arch enemies. If you know anything about the Word of God, they're always breathing down their necks um, um, But what's so awesome to me about this text here in verse 13, he said they were done for for all of Samuel's lifetime. Now, like, what are those those things in, in, in your life that's always breathing down your neck, that's always trying to come back? I believe there's power in the room tonight to not have them come back ever again. And what's... Uh, so you also got to know this. It doesn't mean that the Philistines dropped off the face of the earth, the Philistines were still there. They just didn't have to deal with them anymore. You hear me tonight? So what's also important about the text is this, is what happened before this. If you read in chapter 5 in, uh, or chapter 4, the Philistines take the ark in victory. In chapter 5, we see that the capture of the ark provokes God. The Philistines realize that the ark is not a good fit inside of their camp. The ark now is returned to Israel, and in, in, in fact, it, it gets back in, in chap, the first part of chapter 7. You see this, that um, they, they may have, <clears throat> what am I trying to say? They, they, the, the ark comes back into the, camp of the, in, into the camp of the Israelites. Even though it was gone for some time, it comes back. It was gone for seven months, and it comes back um as i was thinking about this uh particular text here i mean just think about what the ark represents it represents the presence of god right now because of jesus we can have the presence of god wherever we were wherever we are but how this worked in the old testament was This ark, the presence of God was in there, and it was in the place of the Holy of Holies. And we know the mercy seat and all that different stuff that we learned from the tabernacle. And how once a year that the priests would go inside of there, and they would get in the presence of God, atone for our sins. Obviously, Jesus fixed all of that. But um, uh, it was so important that the presence of God was in The Israelites camp, and the Israelites were in the presence of God. Because when you're in the presence of God, the Bible says in His presence to full of joy. The Bible says that in His presence, I believe there's favor on your life when you're in His presence. How many of y'all believe that? And so, uh, now it's back in the camp. We see this in verse 2. And from that day, the ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim for a very long time, for it was 20 years until the reign of King David. So for 20 years, it's back in the camp. This is the first part of seven. We we already looked at the exciting part, but this is the first part. Again, but, and and so anyways, we, we read in Scripture here, and you can go back and study it for your own time if you want to, but the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, is now back inside the right place but yet they were still enslaved to the Philistines. They stole the ark, the presence of God, 20 years later, or 20 years before, um, so now 20 years, it's back there in, in the camp, but they're still enslaved to the Philistines. It wasn't to the end of chapter 7 that we see that they're freed. And so I'm thinking about this. How can the presence of God be with the people and they still be enslaved? I'm going to say that again. How can the presence of God be with the people and they still be enslaved? Is there areas in your life where you felt stuck before? Areas where, you know what, I've, I, I feel like I've gotten in the presence of God. I feel like I've read the word. I feel like I've done the word. I feel like I've done those things. But still, I, Pastor, I've tried all that. But I, I began to think about this particular text They're still enslaved, but yet the presence of God is there. And I begin to think, just because you've had acceptance of the presence of God doesn't mean you have accessed the presence of God. Say that again. Just because you've accepted the presence of God doesn't mean uh, that you have accessed the presence of God. Pastor, I don't know if I believe that. The promises of God are yes and amen. How many of y'all believe that? The promises of God are yes and amen. I, I'm still kind of going off of this of, of in the time of waiting. How many of y'all know we're going to have to do something in order for some walls to come down? So, Pastor, I don't know if, if I believe that. The promises of God are yes and amen. I just want to tell you tonight, and I've, I've said this many times before, and I've worded it many different ways, but there's always a pro- process to the promise. I'm going to say that again. There's always a process to the promise. Like we want to quote uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, but that's the thing. You've got to make him your shepherd. Like there's 10 things that I see in Psalm 23 that's so good. I see restoration. I see provision. I see uh, correction. I see his anointing. I see his promises. But he's got to be the shepherd of your life. There's a process that always precedes the promise. I mean, you can go through the New Testament and how Jesus did things, and one that's just currently on my mind is John chapter 9 of when Jesus heals the blind man's eyes. What did he do? I mean, it's Jesus. He could have laid hands on him and said, See in Jesus' name, right? See in my name. And whoo! Can you imagine? But that's not what he did. What did he do? He spit on the ground, made mud, put it in his eyes, and what did he say? Go to the pool of Siloam and wash it. There was an instruction. How many of y'all know he's a good, good father because he teaches us instruction? I'm going to say that again. He's a good, good father. How many of y'all know a good, good father teaches you instruction? I believe he's a good God and just does good things for us, right? But there's so many people that are living in a low-level walk with Christ because they still haven't done the instruction that God told them to do five years ago. Are you hearing me tonight? I know this is hard on a Wednesday night, but you guys have still-toed shoes on. I think about the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. What did Jesus say? I mean, he could have said, Lazarus, come out. But first thing that he did was roll the stone away. See, the issue in our lives is never, will God do it? The issue is never, can God do it? The issue is never, is he going to do it? The issue is not, does he want to do it? The issue is, are you willing to be obedient in the process? There's that word again, obedience. How many of y'all know we need to be obedient? We need to be obedient in the process. I'm willing to stick with the instruction that precedes the miracle. The promise of God, I'll tell you this, I believe this, that the promises of God are optional and conditional. I didn't get very many amens on that one. On TikTok, on, I'm telling you, I can't watch TikTok anymore, any of those preachers, because I'm going to preach harder every single week, because they're, they're putting, like I said this last, last Sunday, everybody wants to preach on there, and people go nuts uh, uh, talking about the love of God. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter all of these things, God still loves you. Yes, he does. But love will not get you into the promised land. Obedience gets you into the promised land. Are you hearing me tonight? Obedience. That's the truth. And so, uh, thinking about this, uh, the promises of God are optional and conditional. They're, they're, um, the ark can be there, and you can still serve the Philistines. Are you hearing me? But if you're willing to do the work you can have the blessing. I'm going to say that again. If you're willing to do the work, you can have the blessing. Well, lots of times what we do is compare our situation to other people's blessing, right? He does it for them, but he just doesn't do that for me. We we truly think that he's a respecter of persons because we look at that. Wrong, he's a respecter of principle. Let's instead compare, rather than compare looking at other people's uh, uh, blessings, let's compare our level of obedience rather than the blessing. Because what we don't see, you know, we see the blessing and not the battle. When somebody comes up or you see a video of somebody giving their testimony, we, we see the blessing part. But what we don't see is the battle part. I'm going to say that again. Lots of times we see the blessing part, and we don't even think about the, the battle part. We don't see that they continue to pray when they weren't seeing anything break through. But they stayed on their knees and say, God, I'm telling you, I believe you can do all things. How many of y'all know that? They continued to tithe, even though it looked like they were going to have, I'm telling you, it was going to be shaken up, but they stayed obedient in the process. Are you hearing me tonight? Or the ones that continued to worship when they didn't even feel like worshiping? Come on, this is Wednesday night. Can I talk to you real tonight? There's some of y'all, y'all come in like your cat just died or ran over or your dog or whatever it was. This is the presence of God. You should come in here regardless of how you feel, regardless of what happened that week. I'm telling you, that's the battle. Let's lift our hands and worship the one true God. He's still good. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to give life and life more abundantly. And I'm telling you, if you want breakthrough in your life, that's the battle that you're going to have to stay consistent at. What I talk about Sunday, success is consistent obedience in the same direction. And I'm telling you, if you want success in your walk with Christ, you're going to have to consistently be obedient and go in the direction after God every single day, every day that ends with why. You know, lots of times, uh, thinking about that is we don't see that they continue to pray. We don't see that they continue to worship. We don't see that they continue to give. We don't see that they continue to show up and be faithful. We don't see lots of times the tears that they cried and wanted to give up, but they stuck it out. Let's not just see the, the, the blessing. Let's think about the battle. Rather than compare ourselves to their blessing against our blessing, let's compare the level of obedience. But remember, that's the end of the story. Thus far, the Lord has helped us all the days of Samuel's life. He doesn't have to deal with the Philistines again, and then they take back territory. That's the end of the story. But in order for us to get what they had, we have to do what they did. All right? You ready? We like that part, but when it comes to obedience, you're like, shh. Read 12, 13, and 14 one more time. That's the good stuff. Are you ready to get in the Word tonight? Number one is this. Let's read, let's read chapter 7 and verse 3. It says, Then Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth, pagan goddesses, from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him only and he will rescue you from the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites removed the bells and the asherah and served the Lord alone. If you're taking notes tonight, I believe this is the first thing that they did. Number 1, Samuel is charging them as the prophet. I want to charge you as your pastor tonight to tell you this. If you want that breakthrough that they had here, if if you, maybe you've been in the presence of God, but still there's something that's hovering over you, number one, you need to examine your heart. Examine your heart. Everybody say examine. See, the ark had been there for 20 years. And I'm I just thinking about this this morning. It's not the position of the ark. It's the position of the heart. It wasn't the position of the ark. It was the position of the people's hearts. You know, I... I, as, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about David. And lots of times in Scripture, the Lord reminded me of this morning as I was studying about this. But in, in Psalms, sorry, 139, I love this text right here. David's crying out. He said, O oh Lord, you have searched me thoroughly and have known me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. My entire life, everything I do, you understand my thought From afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down, and you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Isn't it amazing that God wants a relationship with you and I like this? But do you want a relationship with him like this? He says, even before there is a word on my tongue still unspoken, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before, and you have placed your hand upon me. Such infinite knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high above me. I cannot reach it. I don't know about you, but I want a heart like David right here. He desires to have a relationship with us. So thinking about that, it's not the position of the ark, it's the position of the heart. And as he's telling the people here, I want you to examine your heart. I want to ask you tonight, you need to examine your heart. What are the things that that you've put up as a barrier between you and the Lord? How many of y'all know it just creeps in? You know, thinking back of um, uh, at the first of the year when we fast and pray and we disconnect from the world and we connect to God, we disconnect from the world by fasting and we connect to God by praying, is what we do. And there's so many things that we get out of, we, we disconnect from, or I do. I get totally all rid of all social media and don't watch any television. Brand, Pastor Brandy and myself, we, we watch television shows. And uh, we, we don't do any of that during that time. And I'm telling you, I don't know why I don't do it more because I hear from God. The Lord speaks to me, the Lord ministers to me. And just thinking about that, and then you come off of that fast and you, you very slowly begin to bring those things back in. And it's amazing how life happens. And then you're not seeking the Lord. Rather than uh, reading a book or reading a chapter in the Bible, you're on your phone. Right? Am I the only one that does this? You guys are looking at me very judgmental right now. Like, you may do that, but I don't do that. All right? I know I'm preaching to the choir right now. But how many of y'all know it creeps in? And things get our focus. Even when good things happen, we forget about God. Pastor, how many times do we have people that, that, that are going through hell? going through terrible things. I'm telling you, the first one in the door, the last one to leave, they're seeking the Lord. And then when things get brushed out, you don't ever see him again till it happens again. I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but when I read the end of this text, it said that Samuel didn't have to deal with it all the days of his life. And so there's some things in here that we have to do. What, what are your bell gods? Is it your career? Is it your relationships? Is it your children? How many of y'all know children can be a bell god? <laughs> There's people all the time. They ain't in church, but they're with their kids somewhere. Somewhere. Uh, our phones. How many of y'all know our phones can be a bell god? TV shows can be a bell god. I just want to ask you tonight, who's on the throne of your life right now? Right now, who is on the throne of your life? Who takes precedence over everything? Well, you say that, but is it true? Whoever is there, that's who you're worshiping. I want, I don't know about you, but I want the flow interrupted. Y'all have any questions over here? <laughs> we want to join y'all's conversation. <laughs> I see that. I, I don't know about you, but I there's times in our life and in our family where we've got to have that flow interrupted. And I want to tell you, even as, as, as a dad and, and Pastor Randy, uh, we get together and we say, all right, this house is out of alignment. I mean, y'all have ever had them moments before? Again, y'all are looking at me like you're the only family that does that, and you're our preacher. I mean, y'all know there's times where things get out of line. And we're like, you know what? We're going to have to come back to the basics here. What we're going to do is we're going to put all the cell phones on the shelf, including you, mom, and dad. We're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna get back. We're going to turn the TV off. We're going to talk to each other. Isn't that clever? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be something else? Come on, we're going to eat dinner together. We, it's so easy. Life gets so busy. And that's what I'm saying. We may say Jesus is Lord of our life, but we look at our life and we pay more attention to other things rather than the Lord himself. Are you hearing me tonight? Is this too hard of a word on a Wednesday? I want the flow. I don't know about you, but I want the flow interrupted. Is your heart connected to the things uh, he's connected with? God doesn't want to be second place. Well, I want to ask you tonight, what would be your grade, if you was the grade, uh, the time you spend with the Lord rather than the time you spend with other things? How all in are you? So the first thing that I see, uh, number one is this. He he, he said, I want you to examine your heart. Everybody say examine. Now there's something else in the text we need to see here. I need need to hurry up if I'm going to get her done. In, in verse 5, he said, Samuel said, gather all Israel together at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out. Everybody say, pour it out. Everybody say, pour it out. Before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, <clears throat> said there. We have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the Israelites at Mizpah. So I see repentance here. I see fasting here. I see they drew water and they poured it out. You know, I was trying to think of a text uh, in Scripture here that talking about water and it being poured out, and I don't think you can have a better text than First Kings chapter 18. Go ahead and go with me in your Bible. I just wrote it down. I didn't didn't even. Uh, put it in my notes right here, but first kings chapter eighteen we all know what this particular story and my pages are stuck together let's start in verse if you know if you know the particular text here that Elijah is going up uh against the enemy the baal the the um, the prophets the prop false prophets of Baal and he's saying our God is better than your God and what they do is is they they uh they do Indian dress dances around the, you know, he's trying to call down fire and they can't get nothing done. And Elijah begins to mock him. I love Elijah. He's like so Christian and so hood. And he's almost eccentric as I read about him in the Bible. I'm telling you, he was a man of God. Don't you believe he was a man of God? And, in verse, uh, I, and so he begins to mock them because they're trying to call down fire. And if you haven't read this, you need to read it. First Kings 18, it's a great dramatic story. And he begins to tell him, you know, either your God's occupied or he tells him that he must be out of order right now. He's on a journey. Perhaps he's asleep. He must, you know, maybe he needs to be awakened. And so now it's time for him to call on his God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we see in verse 30 here, it says, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me, all the people. In fact, I've read commentary here that these are thousands of people. This is all of Israel here. They came to watch the showdown between the prophets of Baal and of God and and Elijah here. So it says, Come near to me. So all the people approached him, and he repaired and rebuilt the old altar of the Lord that had been torn down. Then Elijah took 12 stones in accordance with the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. So with the stones, Elijah built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he laid out the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitchers with water. Now, what's interesting about this text is you need to know this. You go back to uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, there was a drought in the land. In fact, the Bible tells us this in 1 Kings 17, that there was no water in the land. And so just think about the sacrifice that this takes. He said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering in the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And then he said, this is verse 34, and then he, and, then he, uh, and they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time, and they did it a third time. Well, why do he do it? Three times, I believe he was. There was this was the preacher in him. You didn't give enough the first time, so you're gonna have to give a little more the second time, right? Come on, not all of you gave the second time, so now everybody needs to give on the third time. That's what I think would happen right there. But think about the sacrifice that that was. There was no water in the land. Where did he get the water? He got it from the people. Are you hearing me? Because them walking up there. They're the only ones that would have water, and for him to pour that out, think about the sacrifice that that was. The Bible says in verse 35, the water flowed around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. Think about this. This water, I believe it represents radical sacrifice and radical obedience. See, when you pour water on the ground, there's no getting it back. Think about that. When you pour water on the ground... There's no getting it back. How many of y'all know that's radical sacrifice? And so just thinking about that and having a cup in your hand, just thinking about, oh, there's stuff in there. But just think about a cup being in my hand and being poured out. Say, God, I'm willing to empty my cup and trust that you can fill it again. How many of y'all want to live at that level of radical obedience? I'm telling you, we read the end of the story, it's good stuff. But I see these people here, they had radical sacrifice and they had radical obedience. It's not a splash. Don't live at the level of the splash. Be radical because you'll be frustrated if not. How I many of y'all believe that? You'll be frustrated if you're not radical about it. So now we see, and uh, let's go to all the way to verse uh. Then the fire thirty-eight. Let's go thirty-eight. Then the fire of the Lord fell. So as they do this, they pour the water out. He calls upon the Lord. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and even the stones and the dust. It also licked up the water in the trenches. That's what mine says. Licked up the water. How many of y'all know the sacrifice is now gone? When all the people saw it, they fell face downward, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, See the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. They seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and killed them there. Now verse 41. Now Elijah said to Ahab, So remember there's a drought. They poured out four, uh, he said, he called for four pitchers. They poured it on the water. This is radical sacrifice. This is radical obedience. Not just uh, so for for the people that gave, but it was for the whole country. Think about this: they needed rain, and if just some people stepped up to the plate and said, "You can have my water; I will pour it out," I want you to see what makes the difference right here. So Abel went, so Ahab went up to drink and and eat and to drink, and Elijah went up on the top of Carmel and he he crouched down to the earth and he put his face between his knees. And said to his servants, go up, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Elijah said, go back seven times. And at the seventh time, the servant said, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the rain shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky drew dark with clouds and wind, and and there were heavy showers. And Ahab mounted and rode and went to Jezreel. Are you seeing right here? God poured out rain. Say it again. Pour it out. I'm telling you, if you want the blessing in your life, you've got to learn how to pour it out. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So think about it. Because they poured out, God poured on them. Are you hearing me tonight? Because they poured out, God poured on them. What would happen... If the people at Arena of Life would begin to live by this, examine our hearts, and pour it out. I'm telling you, if it started raining in the panhandle of Texas, they would owe us something around here. Amen? That's what I'm believing God for. But God wants to rain down in your own life. And so what I see from the text right here in 1 Samuel chapter 7, I was thinking about that. You've got to learn how to pour out your cup. I want to ask you, do you want the fire? Do you want the rain? You've got to learn how to pour it out. Give Jesus your all. that sacrificial. You know, when I talk about sacrifice, I'm always scared to talk about sacrifice because we don't know what sacrifice is. Us Americans, we really don't. I mean, there's probably people meeting tonight in a basement, two basements down knowing that if somebody came in, they'd lose their life. I mean, the times we've been to Africa, people, they, they travel for four miles on foot in heavy heat, probably more than that sometimes. huh? Four days, four days to go to church, to listen to the, the bread of life. But yet, do I even need to begin? I mean... Blacklist comes on at 6.30, Pastor, or 6 <laughs> o'clock. Uh, how am I, I going to miss that? Well, you have a DVR. Well, it's just better live, you know, with popcorn and Sprite and commercials. <laughs> how many of y'all know we don't know what sacrifice is? We, don't understand, uh, we, we just don't understand that. But the water you pour out today on the ground will produce the miracle that you're looking for tomorrow. Are you hearing me? The water you pour out today on the ground will produce the miracle that you're looking for tomorrow. God responded. I love that in this particular text right here. I mean, it looked like, I mean, these people poured that. Think about these people that are there. And it's like, all right, you're going to call on God. All of Israel's there. We have no water in the land. And some people spoke up and said, you know what? You can have my water. I know we don't have any going back. I don't know. I, you know, it's a long hike back, but you can have my water. You can have my water. I want some people tonight to say, God, you can have my gift. You can have my gift. You can have, you can, uh, God, whatever, everything that I have is because of you anyway, and I want to pour it out back into the kingdom of God. So think about these people. They said, you know what, you can have mine, you can have mine, you can have mine, you can have mine, and she's so pouring this out. And then it happens, think about the revival experience that that happened there. And then they're walking back, and God begins to pour out rain that he hadn't rained. The Bible says there was no water to be found. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I want to experience that in my own life. I want to experience that in my own life. So God responded. So number one, examine your heart. Number two, pour it out. Number three, expect God to move. Let's go to the rest of the story right here. So he says, uh, verse 7, Now when the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, the lords, the governors of the Philistines, went up against Israel. And when the Israelites heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Now, how many of y'all know when you begin to be obedient to the word of God and you begin to examine your heart, and you get rid of God's, and you begin to pour out everything you have towards the Lord, the enemy's going to press in a little harder. They pressed harder, but they had to keep on believing. We said it this last Sunday, but I'll say it again. It's in the waiting that it always gets the hardest. But strength will rise as you wait upon the Lord. So now we get to verse 8. And the sons of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us so that he may save us from the hand of the Philistine. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines approached approached for the battle against Israel. Then the Lord thundered with a great voice. That day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated and fled before Israel. And the men of Israel came out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down as far as the territory below Bethkar. Verse 8 again, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, so that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. See, my point is this we love the ending. But this is what I wanted to bring it back to tonight was this. But don't forget the process. Come on, don't forget the process. How many of y'all know we've got to be a doer of the word? If you weren't here last Wednesday, there was a lot that went into the teaching of James chapter 1, verse 21 through 25, of being a doer of the word. And I'm here to tell you, go back and listen to that if you can. Because God has called us not to be a hearer. He's called us to be a doer. And there's so many people that... In that particular text, it talks about there's people that come into the house of God and they check out in their spirit, they even check out in their ears because they know they're just there to check off church. I don't know about you, but I don't want to check off church. I want to be a doer of the word. And I want to live by God's principles. I want to live by God's promises of yes and amen. That, that um, all the days of my life. Don't forget about the process. Be a doer of the word. Let your yes, if you were on this morning, we've got to let our yes be yes and our no be no. Amen? Because what does it say? He says, if you don't, you'll fall into condemnation. If you weren't on this morning, uh, I hope you got something out of the word. You know what the word condemnation in the Greek means? Crisis. 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 He said, if you don't let your yes be yes and your no be no, you'll fall into condemnation. You will fall into crisis. reason I say all of that tonight is this. We, we have got to be a people. If you want to see a miracle, if you, want to see, uh, um, if you want to look back on your life and say, thus far the Lord has helped me. Uh, All the days of my life, I don't have to deal with this addiction again. All the days of my life, I I can live restored where I went to the enemy's camp and I've taken back what belongs to me. And I don't have to deal with that anymore. But you've got to continually examine your heart. Let's do that tonight. Just think about some things in your life that have preeminence over the Lord. That maybe you had a time in the mornings with the Lord where, where, where you read the Word of God, where you got in His presence, where you spent time with Him, but life happened. Examine your heart tonight. What are some things that have taken, uh, taken number one? Number two, pour it out. Come on, pour it out. Let's live a life that is radical. A radical sacrifice. Radical obedience. obedience. Let's pour it out. Number three. Let's expect God to move. I don't know about you, but I'm going to expect God to move in my life. I'm going to expect God to move in my finances. I'm going to expect God to move in my relationships. I'm going to expect God to move in my marriage, every part of it. See, we love the end of the story, but how many of y'all know there's obedience that God has asked us to do? There's a process before the miracle. There's a process for the miracle. Let's make him the shepherd of our life. Did you get something out of the word tonight? It was very simple, but let's pour it out. Let's pour it out. God, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. God, I just pray that this would not fall on deaf ears. But God, I pray that we, we would, Lord, leave here tonight just thinking about who's on the throne of my life. What's on the throne of my life? whether it be an object or a person, whatever it is, a TV show or a phone, God, we repent and we say, God, we're going we're gonna to pour it out. We're going we're, we're, we're to go after you with all our heart. God, wh- whatever thing that is represented in this room tonight of something that we're worshiping over you, God, Lord, we repent of that and we say, God, we chase after you. Lord, we don't, we want, we don't want just a little rain. God, we want heavy rain on our life. We want heavy rain on our life. God, not only in the physical, to pour out in in the panhandle of Texas, but God, we want you to just pour out on us. God, we want to see miracles like Elijah. I I do, God. I want to see those miracles uh, of fire falling. And so, Lord, I, I believe it's a heart's desire for many in the room tonight to see the fire fall, to see the rain fall. And so, God, may we take from the text tonight how important it is to live a life of obedience, of consistent obedience in the same direction. And so, Lord, I just pray for your success, your success in our life. God, we expect you to move. God, we say that tonight. We expect you to move. We expect you to move. God, we expect you to move in our marriage. We expect you to move in our families. We expect you to move in this church. We expect you to move in our kids' lives. We expect you to move in this country. We expect you to move, God. But, Lord, we know we, we have a part to play. We have a part to play. We, Lord, we're not going to just sit back. God, we're, we're, we're chasing after you with all our hearts. And, Lord, we just we, we, we pray that we would look even back on this time. God, uh, we choose tonight to say, Lord, not one day past this, the enemy's creeped up for five months, but for the rest of these months out of the year, these seven months that you've given us, God, we're going to take ground and take territory. We're going to take ground and take territory all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for coming tonight. Thank you, all of you online. We'll see you next week. Pastor Luann, bring in the word. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you tonight and give you peace. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below and if you haven't already subscribe and share this message it helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you be sure to stay connected to us through our church center app our website arenaoflifechurch.org and follow us on social media like facebook and instagram may the lord bless you and keep you his face shine upon you be gracious to you and give you peace thanks again for listening go and make a difference today